The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution. Book 5, Parliament First. Chapter 4, No Sugar. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 5, Chapter 4, No Sugar. Such are our inward troubles, seen in the cities of the South, extant, seen or unseen, in all cities and districts north as well as south, for in all are aristocrats more or less malignant, watched by patriotism, which again, being of various shades, from light feuilletist fouillon down to deep sombre jacobin, has to watch itself. Directories of departments, what we call county magistracies, being chosen by citizens of a too active class, are found to pull one way. Municipalities, town magistracies, to pull the other way. In all places, too, are dissident priests whom the legislative will have to deal with, contumacious individuals working on that angriest of passions, plotting, enlisting for coblenz, or suspected of plotting, fuel of a universal unconstitutional heat. What to do with them? They may be conscientious as well as contumacious. Gently they should be dealt with, and yet it must be speedily. In unilluminated La Vendée, the simple are like to be seduced by them. Many a simple peasant, a cartelino, the wool-dealer, wayfaring meditative with his wool-packs in these hamlets, dubiously shakes his head. Two assembly commissioners went thither last autumn, considerate Jean Sonnet, not yet called to be a senator, Galois, an editorial man. These two, consulting with General de Maurier, spoke and worked softly with judgment, they have hushed down the irritation and produced a soft report for the time. The general himself doubts not in the least, but he can keep peace there, being an able man. He passes these frosty months among the pleasant people of Niort, occupies tolerably handsome apartments in the castle of Niort, and tempers the minds of men. Why is there but one du Maurier? Elsewhere you find, south or north, nothing but untempered, obscure jarring, which breaks forth ever and anon into open clangour of riot. Southern Perpignan has its toxin by torchlight, with rushing and onslaught. Northern Cayenne not less, by daylight, with aristocrats ranged in arms at places of worship, departmental compromise proving impossible, breaking into musketry and a plot discovered. Add hunger, too, for bread, always dear, is getting dearer. Not so much as sugar can be had, for good reasons. Poor Simono, mayor of Etampes, in this northern region, hanging out his red flag in some riot of grains, is trampled to death by a hungry, exasperated people. What a trade, this of mayor in these times. Mayor of St. Denis hung at the lantern by suspicion and dyspepsia, as we saw long since. Mayor of Vaison, as we saw lately, buried before dead. And now this poor Simono, the tanner of Etampes, whom legal constitutionalism will not forget. With factions, suspicions, want of bread and sugar, it is verily what they call déchiré, torn asunder, this poor country. France and all that is French. For overseas, too, come bad news. 
in black Saint Domingo before that variegated glitter in the Champs-Élysées was lit for an accepted constitution, there had risen and was burning contemporary with it quite another variegated glitter and nocturnal fulgor, had we known it, of molasses and ardent spirits, of sugar boileries, plantations, furniture, cattle and men, sky high, the plain of Cap Francais, one huge whirl of smoke and flame. What a change here in these two years since that first box of tricolor cockades got through the custom house and Atribilia Creole too rejoiced that there was a levelling of Bastille. Levelling is comfortable, as we often say, levelling yet only down to oneself. Your pale white Creoles have their grievances and your yellow quarteroons and your dark yellow mulattoes and your slaves soot black. Quatrun Auger, friend of our Parisian Brissotin, friends of the blacks, felt for his share too that insurrection was the most sacred of duties. So the tricolor cockade had fluttered and swashed only some three months on the Creole hat when Auger's signal conflagrations went aloft with the voice of rage and terror. Repressed, doomed to die, he took black powder or seed grains in the hollow of his hand, this Auger, sprinkled a film of white ones on the top, and said to his judges, Behold, they are white. Then shook his hand and said, Where are the whites? Où sont les blancs? So now, in the autumn of 1791, looking from the sky windows of Cap Francais, thick clouds of smoke girdle our horizon. Smoke in the day and the night fire, preceded by fugitive shrieking white women, by terror and rumour, black demonised squadrons are massacring and harrying with nameless cruelty. They fight and fire from behind thickets and coverts, for the black man loves the bush. They rush to the attack, thousands strong, with brandished cutlasses and fusils, with capering shoutings and vociferation, which, if the white volunteer company stands firm, dwindle into staggerings, into quick gabblement, into panic flight at the first volley, perhaps before it. Poor Auger could be broken on the wheel. This fire whirlwind too can be abated, driven up into the mountains. But San Domingo is shaken, as Auger's seed grains were shaking, writhed in long horrid death throes. It is black without remedy and remains as African Haiti, a monition to the world. Oh, my Parisian friends, is not this, as well as regraters and fouillant plotters, one cause of the astonishing dearth of sugar? The grocer, palpitant with drooping lip, sees his sugar taxé weighed out by female patriotism in instant retail at the inadequate rate of twenty-five sous or thirteen pence a pound. Abstain from it? Yes, ye patriot sections, or ye Jacobins, abstain. Louvet and Collot d'Herbois so advise, resolute to make the sacrifice, though how shall literary men do without coffee? Abstain with an oath. That is the surest. Also, for like reason, must not Brest and the shipping interest languish? Poor Brest languishes, sorrowing, not without spleen, denounces an aristocrat, Bertrand Montville, traitorous aristocrat, marine minister. Do not her ships and king's ships lie rotting piecemeal in harbour, naval officers mostly fled and on furlough too with pay? Little stirring there, if it be not the breast galleys, whip-driven with their galley slaves, alas, with some forty of our hapless Swiss soldiers of Chateau Vieux, among others. 
These forty Swiss, too, mindful of Nancy, do now, in their red wool caps, tug sorrowfully at the oar, looking into the Atlantic brine, which reflects only their own sorrowful shaggy faces, and seems forgotten of hope. But, on the whole, may we not say, in fugitive language, that the French constitution, which shall march, is very rheumatic, full of shooting internal pains in joint and muscle, and will not march without difficulty. End of Book 5, Chapter 4